Well, it's about that time that you shout hallelujah, amen? Hallelujah. It means praise. Let's do it together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he's worthy. We can praise him and thank him. And um, if they don't get your goat, your goat ain't gotten, right? So that's uh, the, the, so know with the Lord Jesus Christ, we must never forget what it's like to be lost. And we must never forget what it's like to be found. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ has found us and redeemed us. And if you're not there yet, listen, there is hope. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there is hope. Hope upon hope. And it's not a, a hope-so hope, it's a no-so hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to dive right into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If there's any children in the room, today is a kids' worship day. That's why there's a lot of vacant spots in here. Um, if anybody, anybody fifth grade and below uh, would like to go to the children's church, uh, Coach Kinsey, as she's known at school, will meet you right over there. But if you, I don't see any moving, fifth grade and below. But uh, if you're guests with us, obviously you'll pick up your children uh, just out those double doors, and uh, you'll hear the noise. Uh, just follow the noise to the to, to you get to the pot of gold with all the children. So let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. We're talking about the enduring faith, hope, and love, and we're talking about it comes from Christ. I could summarize the whole uh, message today, it, just these three words. Where does faith come from? God, right? He says, he gives all who will believe a measure of faith. You say, well, I wish I had faith like them. Or you even hear people say, if I only had faith of a mustard seed, right? We think about the woman who touched Jesus' him. Uh, we think of the, the, just, we think of different people. The one man said, just speak the word, Jesus, and my son my child will be healed. Uh, that great faith that Jesus talks about in the Bible. And it's really a believing faith. And so also, where does hope come from? Our hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, right? Our hope comes from God. And ultimately, we know the answer, where does love come from? And love comes from God because the Bible is very clear. Mike's already read it this morning that God is love. Isn't it amazing? I'm, I'm amazed as I think back through the week. I've been praying for different people in our church. I, I think about the new baby arrivals, and I, this whole this is the category of new baby arrivals, front to back, right here. Uh, we bless God. New members that have joined the church, and I see Julian back there. I didn't see you. I saw your beautiful wife earlier. Uh, I knew you was buzzing around because I heard rumors that you were here. The masked man has just recovered from open heart surgery back here. So uh, that's not the Lone Ranger. That is Julian. So. Uh, but we praise God, Julian. God answers prayer. We're still praying for Misha. Continue to pray for her as she struggles in rehabilitation. That's Adrian's niece. Uh, there's a lot of prayer for our faith family. And if you have those prayer requests, we don't minimize. Write it down on the back of that Connect card. Tear it off. Put it in the offering plate on your way out or leave it in your seat because we want to pray together because God does great things. Amen? He says you don't have because why? You don't ask. Or if you ask, you ask amiss, thinking, well, God would never do that for me. Listen, you pray, ask for prayer in faith, and you put your faith that God gives you to the test. And the Bible says, count it all joy when that happens. God's going to, the test and trials are coming. True? Amen? No matter what. And so why not go through those tests and trials with the Lord Jesus Christ leading you all the way? And then your brothers and sisters around you picking you up and carrying you through. That's what we're all about. Let's continue here in 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read the entire chapter. Good for you. There's only 13 verses, right? Let's go together. Here we go. Paul just finishing chapter 12. If you haven't been with us, he's just, he's, this is a scolding of sorts to the church at Corinth because they've been a braggadocious bunch. They've been bragging that I can speak in tongues or I can, I can, I have the gift of miracles or I can do all these great things. Look at me, look at me, look at me. 
And Paul's saying, listen, you've been divided. You guys have been bragging about liking the better preacher. You like Peter better than Paul and Apollos better than Peter or some of you just saying Jesus is groupy, right? You, you choose sides, and that's not good in the church. We don't brag against one another or even something that we can possibly do because all things, faith, hope, and love, and even the spiritual gifts come from where? Same source, the fountain of the Lord. He pours out those gifts. He pours out love, faith, and hope. We understand these things if we sit here calmly, but if we're not careful, we can get caught up in our own situation, our own life, and think we're the only ones in this little bubble that we call life. And if we are not careful also, we can be jealous or envious like the Corinthian church Christians were of each other and think, well, I don't have that gift, so therefore I'm not important. Remember the whole body? If I'm not the, if I'm not the foot and the hand and the eye and the ear having the argument, uh, the Bible's very clear. Whatever gift you've been given, exercise that through the lens of love. And what happens is it's a Holy Spirit gift, and you might have more than one gift, but it's actually been driven by the Holy Spirit through love. So ever how you exercise, we talked about this morning in college class, college and career, love looks differently expressed to a person with the gift of service, does it not? A person with the gift of service is going to, man, they absolutely exercise love. They want to clean the toilets. They want to sweep the floors. They want to do anything that makes you comfortable and better. They just want to be there for you. The person with the gift of teaching wants to teach if they're not in sin. They want to actually teach you the Word of God. They want to dissect the Word. They want to tell you the original. They want to go back to the Greek, or they want to emphasize something they've studied. Then uh, that's my problem so many Sundays is you study this much, and how do you put this much in this little, right? How do you get it across the best way you know how? And that's where we say we, we, we do put out breadcrumbs on Sunday, hopefully that you get hungry enough to eat during the week and read the Word of God for yourself because you can't teach you everything that God's teaching us, and, and we have to decide person with the gift of administration, make sure the teacher has the teaching supplies, the room and the chairs and the temperature as best we can, dealing with the temperature outside, right, Derek, in this facility. And they also make sure the person with service has the supplies needed to clean up or the brooms or whatever it need, they need to get the job done. The person with the hospitality wants to make sure the food's just right. You feel welcomed. You feel calmed down when you came in. You feel greeted. You feel loved. And you see how the church starts to work when everybody that is a Christian expresses their spiritual giftedness through the lens of love. What happens is it starts making a dynamic church, and the word gets around. Those people over there are crazy, but they love each other. Is that a good terminology for us at Town Creek? Yeah. We're a little bit crazy, but we love each other. And when, we, when people love each other, well, they hurt each other sometimes. Yeah, look in your family. We're some of the worst things that's ever been said within the family, is it not? Or some of the worst things that's happened. Let me encourage you. Uh, love also forgives and so that lens of love, there's opportunity to be to, to sin because we live in sinful bodies, but there's also that opportunity to be forgiven and live in a forgiveness that uh, only God can bring and it can restore relationships. So let's read together. Paul is going back, and again, he's saying, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all speaking in tongues? No. All these things are great because they're a manifestation given by the Holy Spirit. Then he transitions right into verse 13. Let me, let me finish 31, 12, 31, and writing in 13, 1. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Here's the more excellent way. Out of all the great things the Spirit of God has given the church, Paul says, here's the best way. Let me give you the most excellent way. Let me give you the number one position. All right, we've looked at some of the top tens, and now I'm going to give you the very top. Here's number one. He uses a type of hyperbole, and he says this, though I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass 
or a clanging cymbal. Now, just a quick question real quick. Has Paul ever heard men speak in tongues? Yes, because he says, I himself has, speaking, he has spoken tongues. Has Paul ever heard angels speak? Remember in Lystra when he was stoned to death? Paul said, I've, he's been to the third heaven. So could Paul possibly have heard angels speak in heaven? Yes, but he's not saying, I have the ability to do that. He's saying, if I could, because he goes back. Remember chapter 12, is everyone an apostle? Is everyone speaking in tongues? Is everyone an interpreter? And the answer is no, no, not everyone's no, 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 because God divides the gifts within the body. So Paul's not saying, I have all these. He's saying, if I did have these, if I could do this, and I don't have love, watch what he says. He's going to continue. But I have not love. I have become what? Sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I'm just a noise. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all uh, mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me what, church? Nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. There's that word again. He's used that multiple times throughout the book of Corinthians because the Corinthian church was puffed up. They thought much of themselves. Verse 5, love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. Love never fails, verse 8. But whether there are prophecies, if you have that spiritual gift of prophecy, that's what Paul's going to tell you. If you have the gift of prophecy, they will what? Fail. Meaning it's going to end. There's an ending date. Whether they are tongues, what's going to happen? They will cease. Meaning there's, a, there's an expiration date on the gift of tongues. Whether there is knowledge, it will what? Vanish away. There's an expiration date because the fullness thereof. A little controversial scripture there, and I'm going to explain it to you in just a moment. Uh, but there's a little controversy there, and I'll tell you what the controversy is. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, meaning we have a fraction of knowledge here. But when that day, when that which is perfect has come, then which in, all, in part will be done away with, meaning the fractions are going to be made whole numbers, right? We have a piece of the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit fully, but we have only limited knowledge, limited spiritual knowledge of the things of God. We know what the Scripture teaches us, but this world holds only a small amount of it. And this is talking about the day we see Jesus Christ face to face. Watch what Paul says. He compares it even in this way. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. This is that part of grow up series we're in. Verse 12. For now we see in a mirror, though dimly, but then face to face. Now I know right now in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known, as I also am known. And now abide, faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Let's take this apart a little bit. There's a little controversy in the scripture. And it's good controversy. It's some explanations of where some of our denominations come from. And it's good to know what you believe or what you don't believe. Which, where, where, where do you stand? Because if somebody asks you a question, 
Peter says, be ready to give an answer for your faith, right? You can't just say, just because that's, way that I, that's how it is. That's just what I believe. Well, why do you believe that? And we're going to give a little bit of explanation here. Because today there's many churches, and we pray for those Bible-believing, preaching, teaching churches that are on every corner. The main thing of a church, to make a church a church, is a foundational faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If you don't have Jesus Christ as a centerpiece, if he's not the main point, the main thing, then you're not a church. You're a, you're a club of people meeting together around a common God if there's a God, right? There's many organizations that, that pray to God, right? They want to give a gen generality of just saying, somebody out there, somebody do something good. Thank you for making me feel religious, the end, amen, or whatever. When you put Jesus at the forefront, what does that do to some of those groups? If you put Jesus Christ, if you go to a place where God is kind of accepted, as long as you don't name him, your God can be your God, my God can be my God. We come together, we ask God for clarity. You ever heard the, our, even our presidents, and we've heard our, our congressmen sometimes, if you're Muslim, pray. If you're Jewish, pray. If you're Christian, pray. If you're anything, just pray. Well, are we all praying to the same God? No, their God is not our God. Amen? We serve the one true God of the Bible. The Muslims talk about Jesus in the Quran. I don't know if you know that. They even say he's a prophet. They say nice things about him, except the fact that he's going to come back as the great imam and kill all of us that are unbelievers. But uh, they believe, they say that Jesus Christ is God. So don't accept the Muslims' complimentary words about Jesus. They're not talking about Jesus of the Bible. It's the Jesus that they have created. So make sure that you understand when we talk about Christianity in this proper uh, uh, um, order here in the, from the book Word of God, it's biblical Christianity not just secular Christianity because today everybody's a Christian if you ask, are you a Christian? Oh yes I am and they'll curse you with the other next breath they have Christian, Christians are different, biblical Christians are different and Jesus Christ is number one in their life without Christ there is no salvation the Bible says there's no salvation in any other other than the name Christ. So let me look, give you some notes real quick. The Bible's clear. We just read it, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. God is love. He is the originator of love, and it's, it is an enduring attribute of his nature. It's an enduring attribute. How long is God going to be love? Yes, right? How long was God love? Yes. Because an uh, interesting question came up this week. Uh, in, um, where did God come from? He's always existed. Well, it's by faith that we believe that, correct? Because otherwise our finite minds try to think and process through, and we can't go anywhere with it. So what's happening now, if y'all, and, and I'm talking about the James Webb uh, satellite that went out, the, 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 went way deep into space, supposedly further. Has anybody been following any of that? Let me encourage you to go to NASA and follow some of that. It's, it, uh, it is mind-blowing what, what, um, what we're seeing in deep space. And everybody's like, wow, there must be intelligent life out there somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit further. It's not the second heaven, it's the third heaven. That intelligent life is Jesus Christ, right? Creator of all things, John 1, if you look and see. And you start seeing the vastness of even more and more that this thing can see into space, deeper, deeper into space. And they're like, wait a minute, space and time had to have a beginning. They're coming to that conclusion. Isn't it amazing? And you remember a little, little uh, cartoon, our little kid's show, it's called Blue's Clues? And every time the dog would bounce up, he'd go, bow, bow, right? He'd, he'd bring out, there's a clue, there's a clue, right? These secular scientists are now, and Christian scientists are getting clues, clues after clues after clues that, hey, there is some beginning to this thing, and 
If there's a beginning, that means there's a beginner who began it, right? And the beginner, the creator, has to be outside of his creation. Otherwise, he is subject to the creation. Would you agree? Is God subject to fire, gravity, any what we deem the natural laws? Is God subject to any of them? He is not. He's God. He's on the outside because he created this. He put this together for you and for me. So when we understand that he created, then we can make and say, wait a minute, he did it because of his nature and his character of love. Why do we have trees and how many of you guys like the mountains and the beaches and the lakes and the things that we call recreation? We recreate ourselves all the time, do we not? Because God in that creation gave us a setup and there's time for us to get away and just absolutely enjoy everything about getting away. Now, if you don't like to get away, you need to have a, some counseling because um, I know sometimes you can't get away when you're young, especially when you're running with kids and having to work a job or two. It's hard to get away, but isn't it nice to get away? Anybody else besides me like to get away? And just get away, right? What do you got to do? Nothing. Just get away, right? And, and, and focus on God. I like taking those morning walks. When did I got to go to the beach when it was freezing cold? And watch, we've never realized, we've never sat at her favorite place, at a Beach. We've never watched the sunset together until this couple weeks ago. We've watched sunrises together, right? Because I make I shake everybody out of bed. If you come with us to the beach for a week, you have to get out of bed or you will go home if you don't get out of bed to come watch one sunrise. Why? Because the glory of God, just the creation screams over the ocean. There is a God. That bright orange ball just on time, you can call and say, what time is sunrise? And I guarantee you can set your clock by the sun. It's going to come up exactly. Why do we know that? How do we know that as men and women? Because God is a God of created order, right? We know what time. You can look at your phone today. You can go, what time is sunset tonight? And it will tell you. The, the, um, your phone will tell you. Um, but what I want you to understand today, God is a God of created order. And so when we look into this, God is love. Why do you have that food? We talked about love means so many different things in our language today, right? And one, I want, they remain unnamed today because someone said that they loved mangoes. Oh, that was a curse word in the church. Mangoes is a curse word. We got, uh, I hate mangoes with a passion, with a passion. I've gotten sick off of them in the Navy years ago, and I ate them again in Canada, got sick again, and then we had them just a couple weeks ago here at the Spanish restaurant, and they were... Bad. We, Wendy and I and Chris and his dad got food poison on the maximus level. So it was all mango related. So they said this morning in the Sunday school they love mangoes. And it's like, that, that's a bad word. That's a bad word. So we talk about loving grandma, loving pizza, loving mangoes, loving God. It's different, we, right? It's hard to tell when somebody just says that in passing. But I want you to see this in your notes. This is really chapters 1 through 12. Up to this point in our city of 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian Christians arrogantly boasted about many things. By letter, they were a self-centered group. Would you agree? It's all about me. Look at me. They would have this show. That we understand there was sin in the church, and they're like, you know what? We just love everybody, so we don't really get in their business. Their business is their business, and we just stay to ourselves. We just love Jesus, and they would act out in certain ways. And we know that you don't love someone if you allow someone to set themselves on fire. Would you agree? If you had the ability to stop someone from hurting themselves and you don't do that, that's not love. You just learn your lesson, do it your own way. If the bridge is out ahead, guess what you should do? And there's no signs up, and you've seen that the bridge is out, you should turn around and use your car. Use something to stop people from speedily going off that bridge into their death. 
That's how we are to love today is to tell people the truth. Though they won't listen to us, though they might put us off, though they might make fun of us, we tell them the truth in love because we love as Christ loved us, because he loved us first. It's not convenient. It doesn't always feel good. But it is the command of God to love God first, to love others second as you love yourself, and even to love your enemies. And I was praying this week, and I said it this week, Jesus is behind enemy lines. Did you know that? So when you pray, you're praying on the forefront, and he's coming through the back with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's working if we will simply ask. Well, verses 2 through 6, Paul initially, and these are all A's, by the way, if you're asking, Paul initially addressed the church using opposite or the negative connotations of what love does not do and what love is not. Love is not these things. And let's go back, if you could go back to verse 4, and let's look at it just for a second. Love suffers what in your Bible? You might have a different translation. Love suffers long. Here's what I like to do. I heard this preacher do this. It was a great drill. We tried it in our class this morning. You've got to change the English just a little bit, but here's what I want you to do. Your Bible might say charity. Charity is love in action. Did you know that? That's what charity is, love in action. So if somebody says, I want to give you charity, don't go, I don't take no charity. I don't take handouts. Well, you're a foolish person. If somebody's offering and you need, guess what you do? God's provided your resources that you need for that day. Charity is love in action. So what I want you to do is actually look at your scripture, or you can look up at the screen, and I want you to, we're going to do something that might be a little awkward, okay? But I don't care. It's, awkwardness is good, all right? Awkwardness is good. I want you to take verse 4, and where the word love or your Bible translation might say charity, know it's going to sound like mumbo-jumbo a little bit. We're going to, all going to read out loud, okay? I want you to read out loud. Instead of saying the word love, I want you to put your name where love is or where charity is. Can you do that? All right, we're going to go through verse 4 through 8. And we're going to put your name in. You're going to hear me say, I'm going to cut the microphone off so you can't hear me. So if you're listening by uh, Facebook, we're, it's going to be quiet just for a moment or you heard the rumble of the crowd. Let's try this together. I want you to try it. Verse 4 through verse 8. We're going to start together and we'll just, it's not going to make any sense to almost anybody. Okay? Here we go. Let's read. Clint never fails. Sorry, my microphone just came on just really quick. All right. Now, when you read that about, what are you laughing about? Y'all, what are you, I'm going to point the finger back at y'all, right? So we read those going, wait a minute, that does not truly describe me. But here's what I'm going to show you. Try it one more time. And I want you to take the word love or charity in your Bible and put the word Jesus there. Let's try it. Let's do it together. And, and I'll, I'll do my version and you just keep your version. Just do it out loud. It's kind of cool. Let's do it. Jesus suffers long and is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not parade himself. He is not puffed up. Jesus does not behave rudely. Jesus does not seek his own. Jesus is not provoked. Jesus thinks no evil. Jesus does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. Jesus never fails. Does, does his name fit? Does your name fit? So why are we so disjointed sometimes is we're not living the Jesus way we talk about. And so our goal, our self-test, remember he just talked to the Corinthian church about the Lord's Supper. How do you prepare yourself? He says to judge yourself, to look at yourself and see, make sure that you actually, your sins are forgiven so that you don't take the Lord's Supper or the communion in vain. So this is another way. How do you actually know that you're loving? And it's simply this. You can take that test and put your name in there and say, 
Lord, am I a rude person? Do I act rudely? Am I arrogant? Do I think evil of other people? Do I text? Do I, do I speak? Do I talk awful about other people? Am I guilty of that? And if he says yes, all you have to do, God, would you forgive me? Give me a fresh start on that very point. And the answer is what? Yes, he will. So I want you to be encouraged. Take something from this sermon today. This is very difficult for you to do. I'm not asking you to do something simple because this requires a lifestyle change. If you find yourself saying, wait a minute, I didn't equal up to half of those lists, then you need to change a lot of your life. Would you agree? If you're not matching up to what the Word of God says, because God is love and therefore those that are in Christ are in love with Christ and with others, love God first, love others others as you would love yourself. So if you got self issues, self hatred issues, you got self other people issues, which we all do sometimes, right? You have to modify your life based on what the Holy Spirit shows you in scripture. You must make changes to grow in your faith. Remember this whole series is called Grow Up. This church is 5 years old at least and it's time for them to grow up. Paul says put away and he even comes back and says your beliefs when I was a child, I put away those things, right? I mean, I was a child. But now that I'm a man, I put away those childish beliefs, those, those ways. Well, let's continue. God revealed to the church that actions or sacrifices without love amount to very little in his economy. Love is premium. Love is number one in God's economy. Now, this isn't tolerance to the point of actually just says that this week, uh, I, was, there was a, I, was at a, I was in Atlanta for training, and they had a surprise speaker in the, the end. Surprise speaker came up and I walked out of the room because the speaker now, Baptist preacher, tolerates his son has come out as a full-blown homosexual and he, he's a Christian too, but he acts out his homosexuality and dad's super conservative Southern Baptist preacher and now the two of them together sit on platforms. Dad's here, son's here, and they talk about we totally disagree with each other. He gets to speak about his alternative lifestyle. He speaks about what God's word says about homosexuality. He speaks to preaches the truth, and then they, they preach about how they just love each other enough to tolerate each other so that we, they won't uh, offend each other out in the public. Because son takes the social media a lot. He used to trash his dad pretty good. If the Bible's true and someone acting out this lifestyle, if they're living in a homosexual lifestyle, broadcasting it, saying Jesus is good with it, and I'm living it out in your face, what does the Bible say? Those who practice such things. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says more than one time. So that if you're actually here saying, I love you so much, I'm going to keep this relationship. I know you're acting this out. And you know what? We're just going to start hitting the road. We're going to hit the tour. Uh, we're going to make the tour and we're going to sit down and talk about the love of God. Does this father ever quit loving the son no matter what he chooses to do? No. The love extends. But does he embrace it to the point that actually they're making money in conferences off speaking to people and telling people in the church how to adjust and just accept it, tolerate without tolerating it? No. The Bible is very clear. Listen, God does not tolerate your choice of sin. If God calls it sin, it's sin. And the Bible says sin is enmity or enemies of God. And you know what God does to people who live in sin? Contrary to what his word says, the Bible says he has created a place called hell. So you're not loving somebody when you tolerate their sin and continue to enable their sin. You actually are hating them because God's word says if you love them, you would speak the truth in love. 
you would obviously nurture in ways that you can. But Paul goes further, said the last days in First Corinthians, I mean First Timothy chapter three, in the very last days, uh, perilous times are coming. Second Timothy chapter three, excuse me, perilous times are coming. And you can look at the list, verses one through five. And he, then he comes out and he says, and have these people say, Well, I love God too. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Paul says, have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with them. Is that hard for us? Yes, because we're relational people. But it makes us sick in our stomach going, God, why is it so hard? Because God has a standard. And God knows that if you hold to his standard, what's he going to do? You hold to his standard and you pray diligently, fervently for that lost one. What's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is working on their hearts to bring them closer and closer to God. Let's continue. Well, God's love will cause a Christian to assist others, focus on their needs, and offer help with no thought of repayment or recognition. Did you know that? You don't need somebody don't need to see you doing your thing. You'll do it quietly behind the scenes. Verses 9 through 11, no Christian of any age has a right to boast about salvation because salvation is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. No one is able to take credit for it but God. No one can actually take credit. You can, you're not able to take credit for God's gift of salvation because God gave it to you. Let's continue. I want you to look at verse 12. Paul encouraged the Corinthian uh, Christians to be forward-looking and forward-living until the absolute completeness in Christ comes. Because of a person's love relationship with Jesus Christ, we shall be complete. This earthly experience of God's divine love gives Christian a taste of his perfect grace and glory. We only have a sampling. Have you ever been somewhere? I remember the first time we got to go, actually the only time as kids, somebody gave us a place at Disney World to go, and I never used church member stuff back in the day because there's always strings attached. And this time I finally said, okay, I'll use it. And this man was a little quirky, and he gave us his uh, condos, his dad's condos, we found out later. So I decided, I'm going to, okay, we saved all this money. We're going to fly down. We have tickets to Disney. We go in, and we get down there, and guess who's waiting on us as we get there? That man, and he stays with us the whole time. And he, he was slightly disabled, so we had to wait on a mobility scooter with little kids. I dropped it on my foot. You can, there's, there was, it was just comedy of errors happened at that time. But one great thing about it, it used to be called, I think it's Disney Springs now. It was downtown Disney. There was a place called the Giardelli Factory. Anybody been there? And Mackenzie absolutely is our chocolate connoisseur in the family. And she was about this big. And she found out when you walk in, the lady, the nice lady just says, whatever, welcome. And she gives you a free brick of candy of Giardelli. We'd never had Giardelli because it was kind of a high-end chocolate. So we, that's not something we have. Well, Kenzie found out it was free. She goes, Dad, that lady, I said, you can have it. So she goes out. And we did something. And she came back in. And the lady says she greeted her again right behind her with another one. Well, this one figured out that every time she goes out the door and back around in circles and puts that candy in her pocket, guess what the lady at the front does when you come in? Every single time. So Kenzie's walking like this and she's going around and the lady's giving her no more. And, and Kenzie, so did Bowen and so did Alex, right? They realized and they knew. And the lady was the grandma of Disney sorts. And she knew what they were doing. And they knew what she was doing. And they had this unspoken thing that we're going to bankrupt Giardelli before the day's over. It was so good. Mackenzie comes back, and Mackenzie kind of got a, she's got an artsy part to her. She wrote out the word Giardelli, and then she put an acrostic, what all it means. It's good. It is, you know, all the H means. She went down the whole list of how she loved Giardelli, and she stuck it to the back of her doors. To this day, guess what one of her favorite chocolates is? 
Ghirardelli with the Carmel Center, just, just for the record. That's what she gets for gifts. It's just one of those funny things of, of understanding that, listen, when you come to the place of understanding love, a love relationship that you have, Christians of all levels, listen, at all times, we come to that point of actually knowing our access to God is good, right? It's not a chocolate. It's so much better than chocolate knowing God. It, 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 it's a love relationship that, listen, I can go and I can get on my knees. I can pray before God and say, God, I'm having this burden. God, I'm having this problem. And the Bible says he knows and he answers. Sometimes he tells you yes in your prayers. He answers the affirmative like you want it answered. Sometimes he tells you no. Sometimes he'll make you wait. And oftentimes he'll say, my grace is sufficient. I Meaning you've got to bear through. Because there's a purpose and a plan. Because if we believe that God is a God of order and God of purpose, everything that happens in our life, our mess-ups, our sins, our bad choices, along with our good choices and those following the will of God, he uses for his glory and our good. If you can believe that about Romans 8.28, you can say, okay, now my life today's coming. And by the way, tomorrow's coming for everyone. Did you know that? When you're conceived in the womb, life begins at conception, and you never have an ending. This body will stop working. There's a, there's a physical death. But we talk about the three ages, and you've heard me say it. Every one of us will live tomorrow. Tomorrow's coming for all of us. We're either going to be here, we're going to be in heaven, or we're going to be in hell. There's three ages tomorrow, right? Tomorrow's coming. And people talk about worrying about tomorrow. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Paul was clear with the church. Don't worry, John was clear about the church. James was clear about the church, saying, if the Lord wills, we'll do this. Heard something this week that says, today was the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Today was the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. So don't worry, it's coming. Tomorrow's coming somewhere, right? One of the three H's, you're going to be there. Finally, I want you to see this. God acknowledged that all Christians have three gifts that are tied exclusively together Namely, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are the three gifts that will be ours throughout all of eternity. Isn't it amazing to think about? God is so good that he overlooks our sin. God is so good that he cares about us that he will call our sin out. If you're in sin, God's going to put his finger on that sin if you belong to him. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Repent of that sin. Turn away from that sin. Turn back to me. Do it my way. And by the way, we understand this as a church. When we do it God's way, what do we get? God's results. I'm telling you, we'll say that till Jesus comes. Every time you do it God's way, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look like any way you would have planned. But when he tells you to do something, gives you direction, and you walk therein, guess what you're going to get? His results every single time. You might say, well, Pastor, I've been waiting 15 years for God to answer this prayer. Then wait 16. Look in the scripture. God never just, he didn't take Joseph when his brother threw him in that cistern and pulled him out and sold him into slavery. God said, okay, boom, you're Pharaoh's second in command. It took years of learning. He had to watch how the system worked. He learned as he was scrubbing floors, as he was a slave. And then when he became a worker for Potiphar, and then when he became thrown in jail, he understood the entire system. He knew how the slave market worked. He knew how the inside system that the support staff of Pharaoh worked. He understood how the prison system worked. And then he understands now many things about the land and about the country and how people, their culture, and then he becomes second in charge. Look look throughout history and the biblical history and try to find an example. You'll find something that God would use to relate to your heart and to your life today. 
But everybody, listen, there's that L-O-T we learned about. You gotta listen to God. You gotta obey God. You gotta trust God. When he's testing you, when you're going through it, listen, obey, and trust. Because we actually used to sing as kids, trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to what? Trust and obey. And I would add into that, listen first because his word speaks to us and then we can actually follow through. Well, today we have an opportunity and a responsibility to love God. If God's put on your heart when you read verses 4 through 8 and you go, wait a minute, I can't put my name properly. It doesn't sound right. If I, I would be lying today if, if I express love in every one of those categories. How do we actually get right and fix that category? It's day by day. You didn't get where you are just yesterday. It's a series of life choices or a series of life events that's happened to you. Could be your physical makeup, your physiological makeup, your mental makeup, your spiritual makeup. But God wants us to grow up understanding, hey, this is who I am, this is who he is, and this is where he wants me to go. And it's day by day. Don't try to do tomorrow's work today. Do today's work today. God has something for you to do. Listen to him, obey him, and trust him. And then listen, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. That's a commitment from the word of God. Amen? That's from God's word. And it all begins with him, and he's the one that carries you through, and he's the one that's going to provide, he said, heaven for you one day. That's when we get completeness. When we no longer, we put away childish things, we're maturing. We can barely see the things of God. We don't know everything about the word of God, do we? I don't fully. We barely can see the truth going, amen, but Lord, what about, and we have a thousand questions. What about, what about all those mysteries, all those things we have the whatabouts about will come complete when we see Jesus face to face. Isn't that a wonderful thought? One day's coming, and we're seven days closer this Sunday than we were last Sunday. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that you are a wonderful God. The Bible says you're a wonderful counselor. Lord, you're our prince of peace. You're a mighty God, everlasting Father. Lord, thank you that we can actually just enjoy belonging to you. Thank you that we can have a love relationship with you through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that you can be known, Lord, through your word, but, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, expressing yourself, Lord, to us, understanding we must bow our knee and give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, first and foremost. And, Lord, when we surrender our life to you, Lord, then you commit yourself to us that you will grow us and you will teach us and you will comfort us and you will counsel us because that's who you are. Lord, publicly today I want to stand and Proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I want to thank you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for working through our lives and taking us, sinful people, offering us salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ that we sing about today. Lord, it is for your glory that we sing, and it's for your glory that we preach and teach, and it's for your glory that we serve and act out love. And Lord, where we fail you, because we all fail you, and where we're weak, and we're all are weak. Lord, help us in our weaknesses. Help us in our infirmary to the Lord where we just basically don't know which way to go. We don't know which way to look. Lord, encourage us in our strengths when we are strong in some areas that we won't be braggadocious, that we're good at it. But Lord, we're good at it because of Christ in us. We brag on Jesus. Help us, we pray, Lord, because we are weak, we are limited. But Lord, you are strong and everlasting. We bless your name today. In Jesus' name, we pray for sake. Amen.